0: After a heartbreaking loss at Houston, West Virginia has to turn the page as they return home to face Oklahoma State. We preview that game as the Mountaineers are halfway through the season on this episode of the Blue Gold Sports Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Wesley Shoemaker, joined by Patrick Renow back with another episode of the Blue Gold Sports Podcast. We have not talked, Patrick, since... The debacle in the last ten seconds against Houston—we have both, I know, been slammed with school. But let's let's get into all of that first off. Uh, your overall thoughts on the game, as there's obviously no emotion. We are a week removed from that game.
1: Um. If you would have said before that game that West Virginia was going to score 39 points and still lose, I would have questioned some things. But it did happen. Um, The offense played phenomenal. Green had the game of his life. We finally saw the passing attack make its mark on this team. But then we saw the defense. And... The part that had been saving West Virginia throughout um, Texas Tech and TCU was the letdown in the loss. So that's obviously a disappointment, something to work on. But then Devin Carter had his game, and I think the difference with that was they moved him inside, can't really get bumped off the line. He's able to be physical once he reaches the top of his route, create his own separation
0: yeah, let's let's break that answer down into a lot of different components here. First, question some things. There is a lot to be questioned about this defense after what was last Thursday night. Let's just start let's we're gonna lump defense and special teams together for the sake of this conversation right now. Let's start on special teams. You got your butt kicked if you're West Virginia. First off, the kick return was bad enough. Second off, there was a holding call in the punt return. They still housed that ball either way. So that's in your head two touchdowns that went against you on special teams. And for all this talk that we have heard about how we're going to be the best unit in the Big 12, one of the best in the country on punt, punt was terrible. Oliver Straw was not great. Um, and... The punt block and punt return and punt return defense was wasn't great either. And then let's just keep sliding this down. Then you get the fifteen-ish yard return before the hail mary after another miscue. Like there was just miscues all over the board. And then the quarterback for Houston didn't throw an incompletion in the second half. It was just. Ridiculous thing after ridiculous thing and not in a ridiculously good way, in a ridiculously bad way for this Mountaineer defense. And you thought after the defense had kind of bailed this team out time and time again through the first month, the offense returned the favor. And then sure enough, the house came crashing down in the final on the final play there. But there's a lot of things to be questioned on why was there a linebacker in the middle of the field eight yards away why did you only rush three and have what looked to be a spy and Jared Bartlett really didn't go after the quarterback on the on the when he was pursuing him there like there was a lot of oh moments and not an oh wow and oh what the heck's going on moment and for this defense, especially this defensive line, which we have both raved about on this, for them to look the way they did against a Houston offensive line which isn't great, isn't, isn't the most refreshing feeling in the world, especially when you're coming off a of bye week. And you've just got to be better. And it starts this week against Oklahoma State, but will they be able to get better? Will they be able to rebound? We've seen the offense now kind of figured things out but do you honestly think that this defense can rebound or do you think they're going to kind of start going down a little bit of a 2022 rabbit hole
1: um it's going to be it's going to be hard to tell um i think the one question mark that is going to pop up in that Houston game a ton with that last play besides you know rushing this many guys Jared Bartlett and all this is um what if Aubrey Burks is on that field for that game but then the other thing the team should not have been in that position the amount of dropped picks in that game could not even
0: this is, this is to and count. this isn't this isn't a new problem right this is a now, Two week in a row problem, and
1: yeah. third time this. With, season with
0: all problem. due respect to Houston, I don't care if it's Houston, if it's Long Island, if it's Towson, or if it's Oklahoma or Alabama. Like, you've got to catch that ball. Like, good teams yeah. catch interceptions. I I know you're not going to catch all of them, but ones where it hits your hands, what like you've just got to do that. And this is two weeks in a row where it's not like they've dropped, oh, they dropped one here. It was They had to high point it, and they dropped it, right? That's acceptable. Like, they're not wide receivers for a reason. But the ones that are basically falling into their hands, it's just like, woo.
1: They are, they are gimme picks where you're seeing these defensive backs jump this route where it's a bad ball, and it just hits them square in the hands, and you just see it hit the turf.
0: Yeah, and... To your point about Aubrey, like even if you probably had Aubrey out there for the third quarter, there's somewhat a difference, but in the end, the offense, their own share of mistakes, and they could have won this game. If it wasn't for the 14 point swing off of a screen pass to Jalen Anderson, which was an absolute dime, by the way, that ball, Garrett green threw right in between two defenders hit Jalen Anderson on the money. He coughs it up right into the hands four plays later. Houston scoring a touchdown, and they have the lead instead of you going ahead by two scores in the third quarter. Like, that kind of shift on the road, I don't care if it's in front of 10,000 people, like, that is just bad football. And we've seen them do so many good things throughout the first five weeks when they got off to this 4-1 and start of they're doing things that you would consider good football, good fundamentals, good technique. And it seemed like all of it, went out the window in the second half there against Houston and I'm not going to say that the first half was great because it wasn't but that first quarter was great the way the defense and the way the offense backed it up like defense gets a stop on the first drive Mountaineers go right down the field have to settle for three okay that's fine they get another stop Mountaineers go right down the field again like although the seven points on the kick return happened like Their offense was doing nothing, Houston's was, and the defense was actually playing really well, and the offense was backing it up, and we're like, oh man, is this going to be the day they get it figured out? And then when you have an opportunity to kind of start to begin to separate yourselves from the rest of the conference in a game against a team you should be, that you are better than, you don't. And... What is even worse is that you even had the chance to do it at the end when you probably shouldn't have been afforded that chance. Fourth and 10 from the 50 and you score a touchdown. Absurd. And then, as we all know, it came falling down. So for me, the thing that stings the most for this group is that teams that go and play in December in these conference championship games, they get wins that they shouldn't get, that they shouldn't deserve. And the way West Virginia played in the second half against Houston, they didn't deserve to win that game. However, teams that are playing in the first weekend in December in Dallas have a couple of those wins. Maybe it's not a couple. Maybe it's just one. And so in the back of your mind, it was kind of creeping in, like, if they win this one, right, like, if they can somehow find a way to get out of here tonight and go back to Morgantown with a victory, that would be great because that's you're basically stealing a win. But sure enough, they couldn't do that. Now they find themselves fighting – just to kind of stay in that picture when they could have still been in full control of what their destiny is.
1: Yeah, it's this will be a game that I think you're going to see West Virginia fans, West Virginia players, West Virginia writers look back on as the season gets further and further down the road and you start looking at that West Virginia record and you just see that one play and you think, man, that ball gets batted down They stop that kickoff. Jalen Anderson catches that one. West Virginia catches one interception.
0: Garrett Green keeps his helmet on his head.
1: Yeah, Garrett Green keeps his helmet on. Um, It's going to be several things like that going down the road, and it's all going to lead back to that game in Houston.
0: And it's all going to lead back to your former head coach, Dana Holgerson. So Let's move on to Oklahoma State, kind of turn the page there. Cowboys had a slow start to the season. It's not a – that's not a opinion. That is a fact. They started 2-0 with wins over Central Arkansas and Arizona State. Then they went home, and they got their doors blown off by South Alabama. It was like 33-0 at one point, ended up 33-7 final. They go up to Ames, list to Iowa State, who's – all. Also uh, also off to a good start in conference play this year. But then they had their bye. And then back-to-back wins against Sunflower State teams at home and against Kansas State and Kansas, who were both ranked at the time. Quarterback Allen Bowman, 57% completion, four touchdowns, three picks, over 1,000 yards, 14 rushes, 10 yards, and a touchdown. More of a pocket true passer guy, which, refreshing. <laughs> refreshing to see, certainly. Ollie Gordon, the running back, he's kind of there their go, their engine of this offense. He's sixth in the Big 12 in yards per game with 89, 87 rushes, 534 yards, four scores, another 180 yards and a score on the ground. Oklahoma State's defense has been playing really well, especially on fourth down, 25% conversion rate teams are 3 of 12. In their last two wins, they have a combined five interceptions. So, Garrett Green who threw his first interception of the year, which was not his fault. That's not a lie. He... We'll have to take care of the ball again this weekend against the Cowboys. So my initial thoughts on the Cowboys are this. They're a team that is the normal Oklahoma State team. They're not great. They don't have flash, but they know how to win football games. And if we know anything, it's that the Cowboys come to Morgantown and they consistently play well. And it's going to be a struggle. You have not beaten this team back-to-back years since 2013 2014 it's homecoming weekend there could have been a lot of momentum and a lot of people in a probably a close to sellout crowd if you win that game against houston and now it's a little bit of i think there's going to be some desperation in a sense of this is a turning point for this team season right like you are four and two so you're exactly halfway through the year You've seen what the best of the best in the country is like when you travel to Penn State. You've seen what the upper half, upper tier, if you want to call it, in and TCU and Texas Tech offer. But you still know that there's that OU game looming. You still know you have to go to Orlando next weekend. Like, there's all these little games and things and scenarios, but you've got to start taking care of business against the teams that – are on the equal level, let's call it, as U.S.-Virginia. And to me, Oklahoma State's one of those teams. And it's even more of a turning point because this is a team now that they're going to be emotional after what happened against Houston. They're going to try and have that chip on their shoulder. But as we've said so many times, and you're going to continue to say it over and over again, do they let that emotion take control of them, or do they control that emotion for the good of this team and try and leave Saturday afternoon with a win.
1: Yeah, this is like you said, your very standard Oklahoma State team. Um they looked good, then they didn't look good. Now they look good again. Um Alan Bowman has he's been able to throw the ball. They don't doesn't seem like they really enjoy having him throw the ball towards the end zone or even just around the end zone at all. It seems like Gordon likes to get some Ollie Gordon gets some of those. Um but the true pocket passer is just a big sigh of relief. Um and then the completion percentage, you know, you would want it to be a sigh of relief, but if those are balls that go towards our defense, I don't know how much of a sigh of relief that becomes at that point.
0: Let let me, let me give you some numbers that I, I got on this Bowman kid. So he's really good. And it seems like this offense really wants him to keep everything in the short game from passes behind the line of scrimmage or under 10 yards He's an 81% passer for 663 yards and two touchdowns. For passes between 10 or more yards, he is a 37% passer with three interceptions and two touchdowns. So if you're able to win that line of scrimmage and you're able to kind of bring some guys up and force him to win in one on one down the field, I think you live with that. I think you live with saying our guy versus your guy, let's see who wins. And Let's go by the numbers and do and make the quarterback do something that he is not the best at, right? So to me, that's where you've kind of got to force the issue is make him throw the ball down the field and see what you've got. And a big part of that is hopefully you get Aubrey Burks back. He did practice this week. He's been practicing, although it's been in a, I believe, a somewhat limited role, at least to start the week. I don't know where he's at now, but hopefully you get him back. That's a huge piece. But then also that defensive line has just got to play better. They've got to get pressure on the quarterback. And if they can't do that, it's unfair to ask the secondary to play as well as they had, because at that point it's just those guys, those four or five guys against the whole entire offense. And that's not fair to those, to that group.
1: Yeah. Uh, Bowman has only taken four sacks this year. Uh, hasn't been sacked more than once in a game. So that looks like an offensive line that's able to kind of win up front. Hopefully you the hopefully they're able to just cause some havoc. If anything, just cause some off balance throws, under pressure throws, something that Bowman would not be comfortable with. Really, you want to try and force Bowman to get the ball downfield rather than the dump offs to. Let them get yards after catch. That's the ideal scenario. And then, obviously, just catch the picks. Just catch them.
0: And I I think priority one, too, is stopping Ollie Gordon in this run game. Focus on him. See what you can control there. And then put the game in Bowman's hand, not in Gordon's hand. Let's flip sides here. Let's go to West Virginia's offense. They are still going to have some question marks on the left side of their offensive line. Tomas Remack is out again. He was actually limping around campus today, which I was like, oh, that is weird to see. I don't know why you're just walking around right now. But, anyways, and then Wyatt Milam, he was out. Hopefully, he should be back. It sucks that getting poked in the eye it has lasted this long, but that just tells you how serious it is. And my question for you is can this offense sustain the success that they built on at Houston?
1: Um, I'd like to think so. That was that was the game where, I both said it before, if this offense is going to have their coming out party really kind of show everyone what they are and what they should be, it was going to be that Houston game. So I think they can sustain it. I think having Devin Carter play more of that inside slot role is going to be a big key for them and clement getting open is going to be important. Um, we saw Traylon Ray make some plays against Houston. Lee clicker, baby.
0: They pulled that one out at the playbook for Traylon Ray.
1: That that was a play that I did not expect to see pop out of there at all. Um, we even saw EJ Horton get out there and make a the play.
0: With a <laughs> four fingers, nine fingers, what do you want to call it? Garrett <laughs> Green threw Press it in it. so hard and he snapped his finger out of place.
1: Preston Fox had the best catch I've seen for a Mountaineer this year. And Cole Taylor was a pleasant surprise who really wanted to hurdle somebody on Thursday.
0: Yeah, I, I think we can, as far as Cole Taylor goes, is I think we've seen enough from him where we can just say Cole Taylor is doing Cole Taylor things. I don't think we have to say... Cole Taylor is playing really well and exceeding expectations. I think Cole Taylor is just a good football player who this team needed at that tight end position. And Cole Taylor is playing Cole Taylor football, which is good football. So for him, I was pleasantly surprised. I just said, Traylon, Wright, Good to see the young guys get there. EJ Horton too. And then obviously Devin Carter, that is huge for this offense and huge for him. But I also think it all goes back to the quarterback. Garrett Green was healthy, like playing, playing simple. Garrett Green is healthy. And, there's a lot more quarterback runs. <laughs> that kid does not slide, man. <laughs> that kid will go. If there's, if you're on your own 33, he will try and get to the 33-and-a-half-yard line, even if he has the first. He does not go down. He embraces contact. Probably not the greatest thing in the world, but that's just who he is. You can see that competitive nature. and You see it also rear its ugly head when you have something like him taking his helmet off in the excessive, excessive celebration. I'll tell you what. If we see another excessive celebration call from anyone on this team, they should not play the entirety of the next game because this is twice now on the same exact penalty. And we've heard so much about discipline and getting better. I'm not, we don't even, you don't even have to speak on this if you don't want to. But like, if there is another one, you something's got to happen. There's got to be some sort of punishment that's that's like you just can't mess this up because this is twice. This one, first one didn't really cost you much. It's a ball game. It can't happen again.
1: No. It's this team has been disciplined all season long and The discipline just reared its ugly head on Thursday. And it came back to bite them. And that's all you can say about it.
0: And it came back to bite them at the worst time, which is the worst feeling if you're West Virginia. But it's a turning point week. It's a game for the Mountaineers that it could kind of – Begin a slide, right? Because say you lose this one, then you have to go into a tough road environment. I'm not sure if UCF's getting Plumly back anytime soon or what his deal is, but if he comes back, that's a really good quarterback they've got there. And then you've got to come back home after that and get BYU, a newcomer who you really haven't played in a few years. And then you're going to Norman and ideally we thought this team could head to Norman with one conference loss and or zero conference losses even and be in a great spot. And maybe we spoke too soon because if you lose this week to Oklahoma state, there's a lot of negative possibilities in your way, but also in the same breath, not to be Mr. Pessimistic over here. If you win this week, you also still have the same opportunity in front of you. And I think no matter how much that Houston loss stings, if you had given me a sheet of paper and said, sign on the dotted line, West Virginia is a two-loss team, one loss in conference, heading into a November 11th matchup in Norman, are you kidding me? I think everyone in that building would have said yes to it, even if it means losing on a Hail Mary. So at the same – they're, they're like there's two sides to the coin, right? But the first side is – Man, you cost yourself an opportunity to still control everything by having zero conference losses and being one of two teams to do that, but you still technically do control things if you win and you keep winning and you keep winning. But gotta gotta beat Norman, Oklahoma and Norman if you want to do that. So that's just my thoughts on the whole turning point vibe of this week.
1: Yeah, it's you this season, um a lot of it I feel like is gonna be riding on Saturday because you are looking at a win. You are five and two going into stretch in the schedule that it's the through. toughest stretch.
0: I think the next three games are gonna like not this week. I think the next three where you have two road games in three weeks, and one of them's in Florida, one of them's in Oklahoma, and the middle game is a home game against a team that you really don't know what you're getting, that's a tough stretch. I don't care what UCF or BYU says record-wise, that's a tough stretch.
1: Yeah, you're looking at either going five and two into that stretch, and you need one win out of those to make a bowl game. Or you're looking at going to that stretch at four and three, three very losable games, two very winnable games, and everything could just turn on its head in that three-game stretch. And I think a lot of how that three-game stretch is going to go is going to ride on how Saturday goes against Oklahoma State.
0: And I think the best part about Saturday is that you get to return home because they played well at home this year. Knock on wood, they're undefeated at home this year. and Everyone that plays good football, we've said this time and time again, they win their home games. They win their home games. They win their home games. And they've got another home game in front of them. And when's the last time they really started 4-0 in home games? That's probably been a little a little bit of a time there. It's probably been uh, – I don't think
1: – Probably probably, Probably
0: years. 18. I guess, I think you're right, probably 18. But before that, it was probably –
1: Probably s- probably no probably 16 16
0: that year yep so a lot riding on saturday that's what we've said so let's get into picks with that five games on the docket we'll do the west virginia game last penn state at ohio state west virginia fans i guess are in for penn state maybe to sort of make their own resume strength the schedule look better uh I'll go with uh, my best friend from growing up goes to Ohio State, and so I'll choose for him to be happy. I'll take the Buckeyes. Uh,
1: I have I just haven't been impressed with Ohio State and Kyle McCord at all. Um, I'll take Penn State, but if Ohio you're taking, State wins, you're
0: taking – You're taking James Franklin on the road there against the top ten team?
1: I'm taking James Franklin against Ryan Day. Okay. Against a bad Ryan Day team,
0: we'll move on to SEC country. Tennessee at Alabama. Tennessee kind of survived against A and last week. Didn't see much of that, but I'll take Alabama at home.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna take Alabama. Man, those two teams are so just lackluster this year.
0: Remember that game between those two team teams last year and how magical it was? If it's half of that, that'd be great, but I'm not sure if yeah. it will be. Duke, Florida State, in Tallahassee. Can the Blue Devils pull it off? I say no. No. Glad we're on the same page. Let's go, Pac 12. We're getting every single conference in here tonight. Uh, Utah, USC,
1: USC. Is he actually going to play this week?
0: we've been talking about it since week one i i don't know how usc rebounds against another good utah and against another good team in utah this week i'm gonna take i'm gonna take utah
1: i i think i'm gonna take usc i think caleb williams and then bounce back especially after did you see the video of the uh the Notre Dame fan when he stormed the field, he ran up to Caleb. And yeah, uh,
0: yeah. Oh, I I saw that, and he was talking about his painted nails. So that is certainly something. And someone says Caleb Williams will have the last laugh over that guy wherever that guy ends up. But that's just me. And then to our game, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Milan Pushkar Stadium, 3:30 p.m. on ESPN, baby. How about that? Mountaineers getting some pub. Uh. I'm gonna go. West Virginia wins this one. I think. I think the home crowd's gonna be a difference. I think that there's a bad taste in their mouths, and they're gonna get it done. I'm gonna say 27-23. Mountaineers win. Get win number five. Hit the over total, and are one win away from bowl eligibility. Come Saturday evening.
1: I'm gonna take West Virginia. I like 34 to 20.
0: Whoa like, there, buddy.
1: I like the Mountaineers. Got these boys by, rolling. I got the Mountaineers by two touchdowns.
0: Tag them. Tag them. Tag them.
1: <laughs> and well, I think ahead. Garrett Green throws for 300.
0: Back-to-back weeks with 300 yards. All right. that That's a prediction. I'm going to say my prediction this week is Preston Fox finds the end zone. He's due. Feels like everyone else on this team has found the end zone. Uh, I don't think – did Devin – I don't think Devin found the end zone last week.
1: No, he he
0: didn't. Did he he score one against Penn State? If he didn't Mm. score one against Penn State, I don't think he has a touchdown this year. It doesn't matter. I think Preston or Devin score a touchdown. That's my, that'll be my one take. So if you made it this far, we do appreciate you listening. Be sure to keep it locked on bluegoldsports.com as we update you guys throughout the week and into game day on Saturday. Also be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, whatever social media you use, we use it too, Facebook as well, obviously. So for, myself wesley shoemaker joined by patrick now we do appreciate you listening and this is the google sports podcast